0: Spotlighting Hawaii's leaders.
1: We want to bring in Governor David Ige. Good
2: morning, Mr. Mayor.
1: Lieutenant Governor, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Mayor Derek Kawakami.
2: Thank you so much, uh, Senator, for being here. Spotlighting the issues. Where is the virus right now in our community?
1: How much is this overall going to cost the state?
2: How are you responding to the community's concerns? Talk about the level of citations that you guys are writing.
0: Spotlight Hawaii with Yanji Denise and Ryan Kalei Suji on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser.
1: This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is
2: brought to you by Drugs. Well, aloha. Thank you so much for joining us here on Spotlight Hawaii on this Wednesday morning. I'm Yenji Denise, joined by Ryan Kaleisuji. And Ryan, today we are delving into a topic that always sparks a lot of discussion, and that is the Honolulu Rail Project.
1: That's right. We're joined this morning by Lori Kahikina uh, from uh, the Rail Project. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us once again. Uh, let's start off with the 90-day trial run that's happening right now. We know that many people have been seeing the train uh, in Uh, uh, the west side of the island, moving around. For those who aren't familiar about this trial period, maybe update us on what is going on there and, and how things are looking so far.
0: Sure, sure, wherever I go, people are so excited. They're saying, wow, the trains are running, the trains are running, I get phone calls, I get texts, emails, and it is exciting, but if I could stress our safety messages, look ahead not overhead especially when you're driving don't stop it or right don't in the middle and start taking pictures just concentrate on driving you can pull over later and take pictures and of course tracks are for trains right we're so afraid of that third rail it is 750 volts and it could kill somebody but the trial running we started um i think august 29th so we're probably in our third week now and We have some hiccups, you know, the first couple of times they started late. They're supposed to start five in the morning. So the first day they started 10 minutes late, the next five minutes late, but they are starting to get their rhythm. This is the point of trial running is to work out all of the bugs and to simulate actual revenue service They're They're still working on some issues with the platform and train gates. Um, there is a very tight tolerance. They have to be within six inches of the center of the, tra- the train gates and the platform gates. So they're working out that issue. There was an issue, I believe, late last week where one of the trains got stalled. And so they're working out what was the root cause of that and to ensure something like that doesn't happen again. So there is issues that are, are being um, encountered, but they're working through them. Now, regarding the 90 days, um, I've been saying it publicly, 90 days, 90 days, but that was an estimate, now that we're actually here, of what heart's estimate where it could take. But really, the, the clock is 30 days of service availability. It's a 30 day running average. So for the first 60 days, there's about 166 scenarios that they have to run through. And once they complete all of those, it's passed by HART, DTS, HDOT, and Hitachi. Now we go into 30 days of availability, meaning it has to be running 98.5% of the time. So if after 30 days, we're only at 98.2, they need to continue to have a positive number in order to bring that average up to 98.5 and then we're ready to go.
2: Wow. Well, that is high stakes for sure. What kind of specific issues are you seeing, you know, you mentioned a few just, you know, sounds like minor delays and then that six inches does sound significant. What kind of issues are you watching for in those, you know, in all of the trials that you laid out that they have to do? Um, can you give us a little bit more input on sort of what those, what those scenarios are?
0: unfortunately I don't have that what the 166 are maybe it's more like 140 but I can share that we're gonna actually one of the scenarios is imitating an actual emergency and we work we will be working with HfD HPD EMS and we're gonna let the media know because we want you folks out there we don't want the public to panic that there's something actually happening so I want to say it's mid to late October. We're gonna have a cordoned off area where we want all of the media there. To, it's like like a live emergency happening. We expect the media to be there doing an emergency anyway. So here's your area, you can get your B-roll. I will be out there so you can interview me personally. Um, there's also gonna be another scenario where there's gonna be a simulation of a fire on the train. So of course we're gonna let the media know because we don't want people to panic when they see smoke coming out of a train as they're driving on the freeway. But I'm sorry, I don't have the specifics on it could be something as simple as making sure that the the trains are I mean, the stations are open on time. So there's they're about 25 percent done with all of the scenarios. But those were the simple ones. It's going to get more and more extensive as you go along the way.
1: And just to elaborate a little more on that right now, obviously, it's the operation of the train itself. But how else are you testing just the logistics and the operations of getting people in, you know, the different platforms, the, Absolutely. you know, the loading of passengers on and off, are those gonna be things that also have to go through a trial period as well? Yes,
0: so live people are gonna be on there, not not a whole full train load of people. So heart staff is actually going to be on the train to simulate people coming on and off the train and documenting, you know, what their findings are. And they have a hot debrief every day after each scenario is run but i've had calls and and texts that i'll volunteer to be on the trains and we cannot we cannot we are in trial running no one is allowed on the train except for the the staff from hart and hitachi um, but but yeah those are some of the things that they're looking for right now
2: we know and- that Oh, sorry. We know that on the city side, they're preparing uh, with the Holo card and just that whole part of the operations. We've had some conversations with them on that. Uh, the mayor indicated in a conversation we had with him on Monday that he's expecting to have that portion of the route turned over uh, in the first quarter of next year. But he did say that the city would be ready before then if that were the case. Yes. Uh, what's your best case scenario of when you expect people to actually be able to ride the train?
0: Absolutely. Mayor nailed it. And we are working hand in hand with DTS. Like, Like he said, I believe DTS is going to be ready by the end of this year. If Hitachi's schedule is to be done by the end of this year. But as hiccups are encountered, we wanted to put a little bit more contingency in there. So we stretched it out to the first quarter of next year. But so that um dts isn't caught off guard they are going to be ready to roll by the end of december and if all the scenarios are going according to plan maybe hitachi can hit by the end of this year but contingency from the heart schedule is the first quarter of next year and dts staff is intimately involved with all of this testing they're they're part of the team out there doing watching the scenarios and evaluating and doing like i said that hot debrief after each day and whether or not it passes the scenarios. And it's not just testing the equipment, but Hitachi staff, DTS staff, it's all encompassing of the full system that the human and the equipment interface is working properly as if we're actually in revenue service.
1: One of some of the other things that uh, have delayed this are just some of the concerns about the infrastructure itself and and some of the developments. (laughs) There has been reports, of course, of the crackling, in some of the concrete piers uh, that support the west side rail stations. What can you tell us about the findings and where uh, what the status is of that right now?
0: Yes, thank you for bringing that up. So safety, safety is paramount to us. So let me just describe real quickly what those cracks are. So the hammerheads is, if you look at the columns, it, cro- it comes out to a T and that is what's supporting the stations on either side of the guideway. In those hammerheads, there are some hairline cracks that, that have been exposed since The first time we noticed them was in 2018. And when we went back to the engineer of record, they said, don't worry, it's shrinkage cracks. Well, since then, it has grown. And so there's some concern because it's grown in length and width. So what HART did was we had four structural entities go out, HART's own structural engineers, the engineer of record, um, DTS's structural engineer that they, they hired, and then HART hired a third party structural engineer. So all four entities went out to measure the cracks and the engineer of record is responsible for coming up with the analysis and what a possible fix could be. And that they're slated to report back at the end of this month. If it's simple, if we could just epoxy code it and, and stop the water from coming in, we could do that immediately. If it's something more extensive and it's gonna delay past um, the trial running. So if Hitachi and Hart are ready, trial running is complete, we're ready to hand it over. If those hammerhead cracks are not resolved yet, we can't. We can't open and we can't send this over to DTS until that is, uh, until that is addressed appropriately.
2: And, and if you could clarify, when are you expecting that to be resolved?
0: So end of September is when the analysis of the very, the engineer of record needs to come back. And after that, we want um, DTSs a structural engineer to take a look at the findings and also our third party structural engineers to take a look at the findings to make sure they're all in agreement with what the proposed fix is for those cracks. So end of the month is key to get that analysis done.
1: You know, when situations like this come up, uh, there may be others that will pop up with just their structural issue or any other issue uh, for, you know, the general public, people think about, well, what is the warranty like? Who's paying for this? Is it something that I have to pay for? Or is it covered under our warranty? In, in this situation, you know, with the rail not even running yet, but running into these types of issues, who ultimately is footing the bill for whatever issues may happen uh, that has to be resolved?
0: That is very much a fair question. My own board asked me that when I brought this up. And so what we're doing right now, we're just trying to get to the root cause of the the issue if the root cause is shown that it was a design uh, failure, then more than likely it'll be the the contractor. It was a design build contract that was, was done. But if HART somehow gave direction, then the responsibility is on HART. Right now, I just wanna solve the problem. Get to what the root cause is, what the problem is, solve it, and then we'll talk commercial later. And of course, I'm not gonna negotiate in the media, but first, 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 right? Solve the problem, make sure it's safe. We transfer over the system to the city and then we'll talk commercial afterwards.
2: How many peers are we talking about? And when you look, I mean, is this something that's visible to the naked eye? I haven't been out there to inspect it myself, but I'm assuming that you have, Um, you know, is this alarming when you look at it? And, And how many structures are we talking about?
0: So there are five stations on the west side that are affected by this. And I want to say between 11 to 12 hammerheads. And you can see it with the naked eye, but probably not on the ground because these are elevated. You would have to get up higher and and be right there where you can measure it. So I want to say the thickest, the widest gap that we have is 0.08 of an inch. So you can see that, right, if you're right there next to the structure. We we wanna make sure that what the calculations come back from the designers is that it's not alarming. It can still handle the load of what the, what we anticipate to be the station live loads with it, full with um, ridership, riders on that station.
1: If you could provide us an update of where we're at now with the town segment, as we head into town, uh, we're looking at, you know, the conversations about this uh, move Malka of the rail as it goes through Kalihi uh, you know w- there were a lot of talks and discussions over that about of course the the contractor was warded recently and just the overall line itself and where that is heading what can you tell us about where we're at around that middle street area as it heads through Kalihi and an update on anything that has progressed since uh, you know we last spoke sure
0: sure so um, Frank Coluccio is our contractor for just the utility relocation from Evale to Cook Street so we gave them notice to proceed um, a couple of months ago. So they are progressing. They're doing potholing right now. Franco um, Nan, Non was our contractor that won the bid for Dillingham. And I just had an um, uh, initial meeting with them before coming to this meeting. It was a partnering. Um, we're going to issue them a limited NTP today. What that allows them to do is start submitting, um, packaging up their submittals to, to give to us and we have to approve it and start getting their permits because we need to get the permits from the city. And we'll probably give them um, full NTP within the next couple of weeks. So they should start, I estimated shovel to ground for Nam to be early next year. But from that meeting today, they said, no, we are experienced in that area. Our packages are ready to go. We wanna already do shovel to ground the earlier, earlier than next year.
2: You know, you mentioned the permitting process. We know that DPP has had a number of issues. I'm just interested on how this works uh, from your end. Do you get priority? Because obviously this is a large scale, very impactful project. When we spoke to the mayor, he said there were thousands of permits outstanding, waiting for approval. How has the issues at DPP, has that had any impact on your project?
0: I think for DPP, you know, every city department is short staffed, but I can say, from the time I was at ENV to all the time I've been here at heart, DPP staff has been incredibly, incredibly helpful. We put a deadline on ourselves of when we needed to get our designs approved. They met every deadline that I asked of them. So um, I'm not sure if it's necessary to give priority to city projects. We are, um, we, city projects only have a one-time review, maybe on the private side, there's multiple reviews, but. I can't speak enough about and it's not just DPP, it's all the city departments, Board of Water Supply, ENV, DDC, all of them have been so supportive. And even our third party stakeholders, whether it's HECO, AT&T, Oceanic, Meme Schools, UH, everyone has been very supportive of us.
1: If you can take us through the timeline of this Kalihi Corridor path, you know, what is the expected timeline for not only the relocation of the electrical, but also just the construction that Nan will be you know, undertaking during this time. Sure. Uh, what does what that timeline look like and, and that process?
0: So the contract is 38 months, but Nan and I, the the, the owner of, of Nan, we met with each other last week and he says, Lori, you know, that's an extremely tight deadline. I said, I understand that. But Dillingham is the critical path of the entire project. It will hold up city center guideway and station. So if we were to do all the utility relocations all the way down to Ala Moana and have the, the CCGS contractor come from Ala Moana all the way back working west towards Dillingham, we would still be waiting for the Dillingham utility relocation. So um, 38 is tight. Like I said, we just met with the contractor and it said we are going to partner with you. Anything we can do to help you expedite and same thing, if I need to call the city departments, like DTS, DTS is struggling with being shorthanded, trying to get those traffic control plans and permits approved. But every time I have reached out to the staff, they have been immediate response to say, sorry, Lori, we'll get to it. And they turn it around immediately. So that's what I offered to NON today, that we're gonna partner with you just like Coluccio, because your success is our success. It's the success for the public and the community. We need to get out of there it's going to be painful right we need to start doing public outreach to all of the businesses along dillingham it's going to be painful but we have to we have to accommodate them but we have to get through our project as quickly as we can
2: i'm interested we've asked you in the past about you know the whole work from home movement and how that Mm -hmm. may be changing just the way people commute Mm -hmm. has that changed your projections on ridership at all and what are you expecting when you do turn over to that segment to the city I'm sure it's very hard to know, but what are you, yeah. how many people are you actually expecting to take advantage of the rail once they can?
0: So uh, unfortunately, I'm not the best person to talk to about ridership, and I get that question all the time. So next time you have Director Morton on, <laughs> please ask him that question, because they are responsible for doing that calculations, and I'm not proficient at that. But I can see how... Um, Telecommuting has an impact. Um, We at heart, we are 100% in person here working. I don't don't think um, telecommuting is conducive to our type of work. We need to be here collaborating with one another out in the field and out in the office, but it might have an impact, but I can tell you as people's businesses started opening up again, just me personally driving in traffic, it's huge. And especially when the university goes back to school. And that's why the goal has to be to reach the University of Hawaii so we can connect those four campuses. But I believe once we open, people have people already approaching me, I want to ride, I'm so excited. Once they get on, they'll see the benefit of it. And as we start doing the extension, right, we're slated to hand the first segment over, as I said, early um, first quarter of next year. The second segment is two years later, and then the second sec- the third segment after that is five years later. So i think once people get on they'll be excited and see that this is a a benefit and they don't have to have a car anymore
1: and just to clarify that second segment that you speak of uh Mm -hmm. what would that entail where would that line end up
0: that goes all the way to middle street so that will include uh, the airport as well so i think we'll get a lot of commuters um going to the airport whether they're employees or even the tourists and then I understand it doesn't make too much sense for the tourists right now, or once we open that second segment, but once we get closer to town, it may be beneficial to them.
2: Where are your, you know, where are you with the federal authorities and their approval of this project? Uh, you know, what of your, what's your relationship with the FTA up, up until this point, and, and what are their, their thoughts about ending in Kaka'ako rather than Ala Moana? Can we get an update on that?
0: Sure. So FTA, the relationship between FTA was pretty rocky, I have to admit. Once, we, once I stepped in here, um, they explained to us, there was a lot of distrust. And um, every month we would meet with our, uh, FTA has hired a public management oversight consultant. And every month we have meetings with them. And the tone of those meetings has changed dramatically. I believe we have a very good working relationship. There's a lot of trust between us and FTA and PMOC and they were the ones who wrote to me December of last year. They knew we were, our costs had gone up, our funding has gone down. They knew we would not be able to get to Ala Moana. So that letter actually initiated, we are open to amending the full funding grant agreement. As far as I know, it's never been done before, maybe once in Puerto Rico, but they were open to it. And all of the meetings we had with them, when we were talking about the scoping at truncating at Temporarily truncating at Civic Center, that's the cross streets of Halekulani and South Street. Not once, not once did they bat an eye to say no, 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 no. I don't think that's going to work. They were already working on that temporary terminus, even the temporary deferral of the Pearl Highlands parking garage. So I believe that's not going to be the issue. the The issue will probably be whether our costs are high enough, whether we, they want us to increase our estimate at completion and then our uh, funding to make sure what we've estimated seems reasonable, but the scope, no question.
1: With some of the issues that you know we spoke about that's happening uh, on the west side with these hammerheads that you speak of, um, I'm wondering what sort of adjustments have been made to the design or just to the overall processing so that when you have to also create and and, you know, Uh, erect those types of structures in town in this Khalid quarter that you're not running into those same issues that you're running on the west side what what preventative measures are being taken to ensure that that's not going to happen anymore
0: very good question so on the west side actually two different types of hammerheads two different methods were done Um, reinforced concrete and post tensioning for some reason the design was changed to not do, do post tensioning and post tensioning just means that there's extra rebar put in and, and extra reinforcement and and um, post tension the other the other method is just um, rebar like what do you folks mostly see when you're when you're pouring a concrete driveway the reinforced concrete method that is where we're finding those cracks I, I don't know why it was changed partial because some of them that was post tension there, there's no issues there the one that reinforced concrete that's where we find the cracks going forward on the airport section, everything is post tension so we should not see that type of problem and then of course going into city center will ensure that that is addressed as well
2: you know we've seen a lot of talk about inflation from you know going to the grocery store all the way to large-scale projects I'm interested to know how the current costs construction costs material costs supply chain issues all of the things we've seen have impacted your budget projections for the you know for the rest of the route
0: yes that has impacted us it's impacted us actually on our existing contract with STG on the airport section and the contract is written in such a way that if there's an increase in a um, commodity price certain certain materials are in that contract if it's increased by a certain percentage I, I want to say like 10% that heart is responsible for paying that additional cost and that comes from a national average so it's not like STG can just say oh well my cost increased by 10% so you owe me It has to be proven across the nation. We just did a change order with our board for that project. Um, I want to say increased by about $5 million just for the increase in prices. The same type of language is written into, or will be written into the city center guideway station contract, and it is written in our utility relocation contracts. So when we put together the bid for our Dillingham utility relocation, we did anticipate um, inflationary costs, you know, the the cost because of the war on on fuel. So we did put extra contingency in there, and um, we think we'll be okay. But there is still contract language that will um, that will accommodate the contractor if the costs go up by a certain percentage nationwide.
1: I want to ask you on a personal level. You know, you've been now in this position for some time. Of course, moving from that interim. CEO to the named CEO and having to be sort of the face for this project that has experienced so much criticism, Uh, you know, you have to go in front of the city council and hear from those members as well about their thoughts, their concerns, uh, and and just, you know, trying to lead this project. How have you uh, grown into this position and your thoughts being and having the experience that you have now uh, over this time that you've been leading this? What you've learned and and, uh, how things have been going for you in this role?
0: Oh, well, thank you for asking that. It's been very stressful, um, especially for the first year, trying to understand where all of the issues are and try to write the project, right? Get it back on tracks. Sorry for the pun. But I have to say over these last few months, once we once we got over some of the top hurdles, we were repairing relationships with our stakeholders, the city departments, FTA. Um, things are going a little bit better. It's not as stressful. I'm not staying up till midnight working. It's, it's a little bit more normal hours now. We do have a good team in place. I do have a lot of faith in our managers and the team that we have. So I'm not having to work on, on the minutia. The, the managers are taking care of that and working collaboratively with the staff and with our consultants and contractors. And I can say wherever I go in the public, at least once a week, someone is approaching me. Whether I'm at a restaurant or at Costco or walking on the sidewalk, going to the mayor's office, uh, I went to the 9/11 ceremony this weekend with the with the mayor and cabinet to to honor those that that um, lost their lives in 9/11. And somebody out there, he was carrying a sign, and he he pulled down his mask, and he says, "Thank you, thank you for what you are doing, and keep up the good work." I get that at least once a week from just random people I don't even know. And so I'd like to think that we're starting to change public sentiment. We have a long, long way to go to gain public trust. I understand that, but I'd like to think that we're we're, we're getting over the hump a little bit, that you folks, you know, please give us a chance and try to trust us. We're trying to be open, honest, and transparent. And we're gonna encounter issues in this major infrastructure project. We're gonna address them. I mean they're going to come up but when they come up we're going to address them head on and be open and honest with you folks about it you know i don't have all of the answers like when the hammerhead cracks came up when the crossover came up i don't have the answers i don't have the cause but we're going to address it and then i know everyone wants to know who's going to pay for it i do too but i'm not going to talk about that publicly because we've got to solve that problem first and if because if not if i start pointing fingers everyone's going to pull back and start pointing fingers and no one's going to solve the problem So I come out publicly as soon as I find out about it. I don't have all the answers, but once I do, I will share that.
2: We're almost out of time, but I'd love to ask you uh, in our last question this morning. Can you tell us what it's like to ride the train? You know, you've had an experience that most of us have not. We see it going, you know, we see that trial run now underway. But what would you tell folks about what that experience is like?
0: It is incredible. It actually gives me goosebumps. The first time I went on there, you know, for... You know the, the past heart administration, the past heart team. What has been accomplished out there? It is awesome. I mean, the the infrastructure that was put in, the guideway, the rail operation center, the trains are beautiful. And I hope the public keeps it that way. No food or gonna, drinks going to be allowed, but but be proud of it because it is beautiful. It's air conditioning, as mayor mentioned, the view that you see outside the windows because it's automated. Uh, I, I was. um you know teasing our staff that at each end of the train there's a seat there if we had to put a, um, an operator there so the panel is there but it's locked but I think all of the kids and maybe even some of the adults are going to push away I want that seat because it is absolutely spectacular the views going along the route you can see the ocean you can see the mountains so I'm glad people are excited and hopefully first quarter of next year people can actually get on the train and experience the same thing I did.
1: Well, we know a lot of people are looking forward to that day when uh, we can actually be on that train and experience the rail uh, after this long lengthy process yes. uh, i think there's a lot of excitement in the community yes. for that so we look forward to that day we thank you Laurie Kahikina, ceo of heart for thank joining you. us once again this morning and for updating us we look forward to future conversations about the status of the project mahalo
2: thank you mahalo thank you Right. I always love talking to her because she is so forthcoming with the setbacks of the project, but also her enthusiasm is palpable for you know, her, just her description of what it's like to actually sit in a train car and ride the rail. Um, we might get that opportunity, as she noted there at the end in the first quarter of next year. In the meantime, they have a lot to do. They're doing that trial run right now. And of course, addressing those piers, the cracks in the concrete.
1: Yeah. And we also just got an update also on just the overall status of course with one of the areas of concern which was the middle street area of course those contracts being awarded and you know she recognizing lara kahikina saying that the timeline that she's presented for the contractor for non-inc is a tight one but she says that this is something that they are committed to they recognize the work that's involved with the electrical and the moving removing of all those you know those systems and the implementation and construction of these projects uh, in that area which is going to be a crucial part of the line uh, but noting that they are moving ahead and that with this contract that has been awarded they can now begin the steps of actually targeting a date of when shovels will begin going into the ground into Kalihi which would be a big milestone and marking the rails uh, you know entrance into town so to yeah. speak
2: Yeah, and she talked also about costs and just the issues that they're facing, like all of us with inflation, um, noting that the cost of materials and whatnot uh, just in the airport project alone, she was talking about a five million dollar increase there, and how there could be more of that, uh, which is not, of course, the project's fault, but just the way the world is at the moment. And if it does reach, uh, you know, if commodities reach a certain threshold, then Hart is liable for the increase. Uh, she also talked about her relationship with the FTA and how much she has worked to turn that around. You really see uh, her just chipping away at changing public perception. Those interactions that she was talking about with people saying that they are thanking her for the work she's doing. You know, we have had the privilege of being able to talk to her throughout her time at Heart. And, you know, in the beginning, she did say that she was having to talk to a lot of people, you know, if she goes to restaurants or retail. And now it sounds like those conversations and those interactions are a little bit more positive.
1: Yeah. And really, when you think about it, I mean, we've tried to have someone on Heart on for some time. Uh, and it wasn't until you <laughs> know <laughs> came into this role that we were actually able to talk to someone about the rail. So we always appreciate her coming on. But of course, she led this interview with uh, warnings to the public about safety concerns. This has been reported in the media uh, about those rail lines, you know, being off limits and and not something that people should get close to, as well as, you know, not taking photos or getting too excited about them when driving and seeing them overhead. Uh, Of course, her expressing those concerns as people get used to seeing the rail in action, something that uh, I think a lot of people are pleasantly surprised to see happening,
2: yeah, and it'll be interesting. She did say that that one of the trials that they're doing as part of that ninety day program uh, will be to simulate you know an emergency on the train, a fire in the train, you know, in one of the rail cars. So if you do see that, don't be alarmed. There will be EMS fire. Uh, the media, the police, of course, all the major players that would have to respond to an incident like that. They are going to be doing some drills in that regard. We'll probably get more of a heads up, but it's interesting to hear about all the scenarios that they have to go through uh, to get the trains running on time.
1: Yeah, a lot of things uh, to look forward to. And again, hoping that all of this will uh, be cleared and that the trials will go well and that people will be on the train come the first quarter of next year. Fingers crossed.
2: That's right. On Friday, we are switching gears. We're going to be talking again about COVID nineteen. Uh, we know that you know numbers are going down. The World Health Organization today making headlines saying that the pandemic is perhaps coming to an end, or at least at least uh, entering the next phase. But what about those folks who have contracted the virus and who are dealing with long COVID? We're going to be talking to a doctor from Kapilani Medical Center who is part of a national study looking at long COVID specifically in families and children. We're very interested. You know, we've had Dr. Uh, Chow on in the past to talk about the long COVID clinic that his uh, agency runs and all of the issues that they face, but they treat adults. So what is long COVID like in kids? Uh, So we'll be talking to a doctor about that on Friday, and we do hope you'll
1: join us then. We'll see you then. Aloha. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Drugs.